All right, we are back with another episode of the Clinch Perfect Podcast. I'm Ben, as always, joined by Tom. How have you been, mate? I am doing very well, my friend. What about yourself? Not bad, not bad. Had a had a day off today. I went co-steering. I didn't know what that was before. It's basically just like clambering about the rocks on the coastline um, on foot, and you kind of like like you'll like jump between some rocks, you'll climb some, you'll swim some, you'll you know like dive under caves and under little like rock archways and stuff. It was really fun. Um, yeah, I did it with my younger brother. It was fun. You're basically Indiana Jones. <laughs> I know, mate. I know. I, I literally had no idea what it was before I signed up for it. Um, and I thought it was like some kind of like kind of cliff jumping thing. There was a little bit of that. Like it wasn't anything crazy. It's probably like 10, 12 feet, the biggest jumps. But um, yeah, it was good fun. But a lot of sun, a lot of fresh air, a lot of wading about in the water and climbing on rocks and stuff. And fair to say, my old ass is very tired now. <laughs> I will sleep well tonight. Did you watch... Um... I was about to say contender series. Did you watch the Ultimate Fighter? Did you watch the latest episode? No, I've, I didn't watch last night, so I'm gonna have to catch up on it tonight. But I did watch last week's, obviously. Um, Ricky against Ludovic. What a fucking fight! I love Ricky. If if he doesn't win the final, they better give him a contract anyway. He's awesome. I, 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 whoever he loses to, I want to see a rematch straight away. Yeah. Purely because it's just old. It, I feel like he's one of the most exciting fighters, and he's not even in the UFC. For sure. <laughs> yeah, he's an absolute badass. Uh, it's just claret everywhere all the time or, or just like high intensity it's just a ball of energy even in like the you know the, when they do like the little clips of like training and everything yeah Vulcan obviously just... said didn't he he was like he, he was trying to find the right words to describe it. he was like I don't want to say he's weird but he's unique <laughs> speaking of speaking of Volk I thought that prank was absolutely hilarious because <laughs> you could see that Ortega was actually like really it was just funny that Ortega like he's such a frat boy isn't he He's like, oh, cool, bro. Clocks. Oh, oh. Like, if it's not fucking, you know, like pissing in someone's shampoo, then it's not, it's not cool enough. It's not frat boy enough for Ortega. Well, I mean, if, if, if he's after that, I'm pretty sure Volk put up some posts like ages ago of him and Craig um, Jones just like peeing all over. <laughs> Craig Jones seems like such a troll, by the way. I could just tell. Like, oh, he is. He is. <laughs> I, I think Craig Jones offered to fight everyone on Ortega's like team. <laughs> I quite like to see that. I feel like I can just heel hook everyone. Um, but anyway, <laughs> onto the real thing. We are massive, mate. We are global. We are, we are, we are international. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, apparently, guys, we have a fan all the way over in. Drum roll, please. Where is it? I've kind of forgotten. You've forgotten already. <laughs> I was looking place, at the yeah. analytics this week. I messaged Tom. I was like, okay, we don't have many listeners, but we one of them is in New Zealand, which is cool as fuck. So shout out. Maybe it's Izzy. Izzy, do you want to come on the podcast? <laughs> and and we got someone in Stockholm listening as well, according to the little group, like the heat map on the on the graph on the analytics. And then most of the rest of our listeners are, are UK and like West Coast of the States, which is boring. I mean, you guys can piss off. I just give me more people in Stockholm and New Zealand. <laughs> yeah, the ones who can't understand English. Nice. <laughs> yeah, that, that's probably why they find us entertaining because they don't understand the absolute tripe that we're spewing. Yeah, hopefully they're not taking any lessons. Yeah, that would be bad. <laughs> anyway, anyway, we get some. There's so been far? a crazy amount of matchups announced this week um, in the UFC. Just literally, like in the last couple of days before we before we recorded this, um, Islam Makhachev uh, against Rafael dos Anjos. That's UFC 267. I mean, that's pretty soon. October's not far away. Um, that I think was kind of the fight everyone expected to make, but. Can I give an unpopular opinion? I hate this fight. I feel like it's just going to be 15 minutes or 25 minutes, whatever you know, whatever it is, of takedown, RDA bounces back up, takedown, RDA bounces back. Because like, you know what RDA is like. He's 
easy to take down, but not easy to keep down. And or I don't know, I just, yeah, or finish. So I just feel like it's going to be the most obvious, predictable Islam 15 minute dominant decision of you know, like human history. I wanted to see Tony. I thought that was like the, the perfect matchup. Like, because it's either, for, for me, Tony has two options. It's either Makachev or it's money fight with Connor and Connor comes back in like a year and a half's time. Yeah. To me, that's the only thing that makes sense. Maybe that's what he's like, waiting for. Maybe that's what Tony's waiting for. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. It, it, it just, I agree with you. It kind of feels a bit strange. And it also, without sounding a bit harsh, without sounding too harsh to RDA, because obviously he's just beaten Feld from whatever, but it does kind of feel like a backwards, backwards bit of a backwards step for Makachev because he's been on such a high, like he's just completely dismantled from his ears. It'd been quite good to see him against like someone like I don't know the winner of the Chandler Gaethje or something like that. Do you know what I mean? Maybe it's a bit early. Maybe I'm in a bit. Yeah, sure, I mean, not but... sure. Not sure. Like we would pick that for him, but in terms of how high the UFC are clearly on him, it would make more sense almost just because, like, the, the propaganda for this guy's been unreal. I mean, I'm not saying he doesn't deserve it. He is insanely good, but you would expect it. I, I don't know. I kind of thought, yeah, like you said, they would have aimed it a bit higher considering how much they've they've really like pushed the PR behind him. Um, Couple others, uh, October 16th fight night have been announced. Holly Holm and Norma Dumont and Julian Marquez and Jordan Wright. So that's shaping up to be a, a sneaky fun card there because Marquez Wright, I'm especially excited for. There's no way that there's not like a ridiculous knockout or like a dash choke or some random submission like that. Do you know what I mean? Like you just see that's going to be batshit. Fight doesn't go the distance. No way. No <laughs> put way. it down. <laughs> put all the money very, on that now. Two, am, I, am I fair to say that it's two very strange fights though? Like, Purely because Marquez and Wright is so unpredictable, but then like Holly Holm and Norman Dumont kind of feels like, well, they're just killing Dumont off because I, I feel like it's just got Holly Holm boring decision written all over. It. I think she's got too much experience for someone like Dumont. Yeah, Dumont has looked really good at this weight class, but like I say, Holm is like a different beast to what she's fought so far. So um, yeah, I mean, there's not really anyone <laughs> anyone else there is the problem. Like. It's either give her Holly home or give her a title shot. So um, I guess in that way, it kind of makes sense. Um, later in October, October 23rd, we talked about this kind of maybe getting, you know, in, in the rumor mill last week, Paolo Costa and Marvin Vittori. Um, I'm just excited fight. for the trash talk on that one. Like none of any, and nothing they say is going to make any sense, but it will be it's hilarious. Not gonna, it's not going to be trash talk. They're just going to both be like gurning at each other, their veins popping out their throats. <laughs> Yeah, I'm excited. Yeah. Uh, it's the kind of like the. I wouldn't even say. You know, I don't even think it's like because if Vittori wins, I can't imagine they're going to give him another title shot. And the way the Costa lost, I can't imagine they're going to give him a title shot either, unless he absolutely smokes Vittori. So it's kind of like a. I'd it's kind of like, like the eliminator to the eliminator. If you know what I mean? Yeah. Like yeah, whichever or, one of them yeah. wins this, will get the number one contender fight. Um, yeah exactly yeah like you say they both got dominated so badly by Izzy it doesn't really make sense to just throw them in there um, I don't really have a prediction for that I feel like it's too early to have a prediction for that it's, uh, that's a ways away it's the end of October um, and yeah, I don't, it's a difficult one to predict that actually because Vittori has improved so much and he's, I think people forget how young Vittori is as well because he doesn't he's seem what, young he seems like a 26, 27 yeah he's like in his late 20s so um, yeah it's going to be an interesting one if Vittori you know learns his lessons from Adesanya but then you could say the same for Costa because his last fight was losing to Adesanya. So, um, it's a five-rounder, isn't it? I, I think. think so, yeah. I think it'll be a main event for that October 23rd fight night. So, so um, I would lean towards Vittori. 
I mean, again, it's way too early to make predictions, but yeah. Kubik is like, I feel like if grind him out with the wrestling, grind him bit. out exactly. Yeah. yeah, can kind of see the same thing as what he did. I mean, completely different fights, obviously, but what he did to Kevin Holmes, like, yeah, wear down like, those fast twitch muscles on uh, on Paolo. Um, yeah. the big one everyone's been talking about, I think that's literally got announced when we finished recording our last episode, which is a bit fucking annoying. Um, so yeah, UFC 268 in November is shaping up to be an absolutely unreal card at, um, at Madison Square Garden, I think, although that's not confirmed. Justin Gaethje and Michael Chandler. I feel pretty strongly that Gaethje's going to win this. There's there's so many reasons I feel like he hasn't. But like, first of all, we know Chandler can be a little bit chinny and Gaethje's power is insane. Um, Chandler is really susceptible to leg kicks as well. We've seen him suffer from leg kicks in the past in Bellator and in the UFC. And Gaethje has some of the most fucking lethal calf kicks in particular, like that in the entire UFC. So I, if if Gaethje gets his game plan right, I can see this being not an easy night at the office, but a very, very winnable fight for Justin Gaethje. I think Gaethje's boxing is just levels above Chandler's. Which I, I, I kind of said that when Chandler... I remember saying that actually when Chandler first came to the UFC. Like everyone was obviously riding the coattails because he knocked out Dan Hooker. But I was like, if you look at his striking, he's not technically very good. Like he just swings haymakers and kind of tries no, to No, he's just powerful as hell. And I will yeah. say I'm a big fan of Michael Chandler. We we said after that hooker fight, like the way he handled himself in, in the media before and, and after that fight, like he seems like such a good dude. And um, I, did, I didn't love him on the desk, but he, see, he seems like a nice guy when he was on the desk a couple of weeks ago as well. Um, but I don't know. I just, that's got Gaethje knockout written all over it for me or like a TKO from leg kicks or something. Yeah. I feel I like Chandler's feel like... hopes in that rely on getting it to the mat. And I don't feel like his wrestling is going to be good enough because everyone forgets how good Gaethje is at... Yeah, like he got submitted anyway. by Habib, but that's Habib, so... And before that, I think he shrugged off like a couple of takedowns anyway, which is crazy. Mm-hmm. I feel like, like in the first round when he was... Yeah, because he was keeping it standing. Like, I, I, and it'll be The only thing I would throw caution to is the fact that Gaethje's been out for ages and we haven't seen him since that loss. And while he's probably been in the gym adapting how much has he improved since that lot like it's, it's kind of hard to measure because there's well, no I suppose the good news is it wasn't like a there. brutal loss like what he did to Tony Ferguson like it wasn't like he got absolutely beat the fuck up and took loads of damage um, you know nice to be even deliberately didn't break his arm and choked him out instead <laughs> whereas Chandler got finished by yeah. Charles Oliveira got sparked and out yeah it's, yes it is an inch- and also it's a very make or break fight for both because if Gaethje loses all of a sudden, he's way say, off a title shot. Yeah, exactly. And if Chandler loses, he's bottom bottom of the pile, pretty much. Like, the, there's no amount of PR that you can spin on that, like back to back losses and whatever. But I tell you what, it's a fan favorite fight. I, I feel like that could be fight of the year. I feel like it's round. If, if I feel it lasts like it's that got, long, if I feel it lasts like it's got more than five minutes. I think it's got round three, Gaethje, written all over it. Personally, yeah, I could see it. Just, um, yeah. What's yeah, next? another one. This one they've rebooked because it got cancelled. Remember Max Holloway, Yaya Rodriguez, um, November thirteenth. I have a bone to pick with Max Holloway. Actually, um, I saw a Warzone stream come up on my Twitter the other day, and he was playing with some streamer, and he had like nineteen kills. And my bone to pick is how the fuck is he not only a world class fighter, also better than me at Warzone? What the what the <laughs> shit? Like he had like nineteen kills in in like back to back games. I don't think I've ever got 19 kills in a game. I was like, what is this? This guy gets to be a world-class athlete and be better than me at being a nerd as well. This is bullshit. And he's got a really attractive fiance as well. Yeah. He's just winning at life, isn't he? Guy is winning Best. at life. Um, but yeah, we what, that is a weird fight. And well, weird it's a banging fight. fight. 
oh, it's amazing, but it's also weird because it's such like a, I mean, like, again, it's, it's so hard to predict, but imagining like some weird Holloway losers. Imagine if Holloway, imagine if Holloway loses that fight. I don't see Max like, in that fight. To be oh, no, I don't either, but again, it's really hard to count out Rodriguez because yeah, he, he does have like, kind past. of unorthodox. Yeah. Yeah. Like could take you out with something weird like he did to TKZ, obviously. Um, but yeah, I mean, super fun fight. Um, November 20th, Jojo Calderwood against Alexa Grasso. We're big fans of Jojo on this podcast, but I have to say this kind of feels like the UFC, not building just, Grasso. yeah, not just building, but also just testing, just seeing exactly where Grasso's at after that Macy Barber win. Kind of like, okay, if she wins this, then she's right there ready to throw in the title picture. Yeah, and again, I'm really annoyed because I like both. I really, really like Jojo, yeah. but I think Grasso's kind of on the up and mm-hmm. Jojo's kind of on the on the downward spiral, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, and Jojo's going to have better kicks probably, but Grasso's boxing is just so clean, crisp, so yeah. crisp, yeah. I would so actually argue well. she's, got, she's got some of the best hands in the UFC, that's for sure. 100%. But, it's it's still too early for a title. Like it's crazy. It's crazy. I, I've, well, she had like three, four fights in uh, flyweight. Yeah, but if she, I mean, if if she's had three, four fights and on that are uh, wins against JoJo Calderwood and Macy Barber, then she's right. You know, there ish in the picture, probably one fight away from a title shot. I would say if she wins this, she needs a Chikagan. Yeah, that's she's probably like she's probably one away with if she wins this. Because I I feel like that's unfair on her to fight Valentina. Like I don't think you should. And Jennifer Meyer, I don't know, because Jennifer Meyer did it. Jennifer Meyer beat Jojo and then fought for the title. Oof. Yeah, well, that was like the most boring 25 minutes of my life. So and to be um, fair, I don't want to Grasso, repeat that. I think Grasso could genuinely cause Shevchenko some problems. I think, I think people kind of sleep on the fact that she's like much better at flyweight than she was at strawweight. I think yeah. she fought strawweight. Um, yeah, so really excited. Just a shame it's not Tatiana Suarez, to be honest. <laughs> and then last last fight announced on our on our list here of notes, we've got Kaikara France against Cody Garbrandt, December eleventh. I think that's planned for. Um, this is another really interesting one because, I mean, I guess you'd kind of say it favors Cody that they've given him a striker, not someone who's going to try and take him down. But then again, Kaikara France does have knockout power for the division. Like he's not a knockout artist, but he has shown that he can sleep people. So I don't know. It's it's kind of a little bit dangerous for Cody depending on how he plays it. Um, and at the same time, it's it's a very winnable fight for him because I don't know. I don't want to say he got lucky because there's no such thing as luck in in MMA. But I feel like Kai Kara France um, was fortunate in, in his win against Bonterin. I'll say that um, because any any time you know he was very close to getting finished on the mat in that fight, and then I'm not entirely sure how out Bonterin was when uh, when the knockout happened. So I don't know. Um, it's a winnable fight for Cody, but like I say, it's 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 an interesting one because we know what he's prone to do. We know the mistakes he's prone to make, and Kai Kara France can knock people out. You can't leave your chin wide open against a city kickboxing boy. Yeah, like, exactly. That, that is just a bad night in the office waiting to happen. I rambled on there and you summed it up in one sentence. Well done, mate. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm here for. No, it is a really fun. I, you, I agree though. It's a really fun fight. This this flyweight division is just like popping isn't it pretty much, you... pretty much all the the lower end of the men's divisions at the moment are just so much fun like bantamweight's probably my favorite division in in the ufc um lightweight is obviously stacked with the young talent and some of the you know some of the vets there as well and then like you say, i can't believe you've done your boy to like this i can't believe you haven't said featherweight 
Well, by the way, there's no need to mention Vettel because it's just like a one-man division there with Tapuria. So <laughs> it's not stats, mate. It's just Tapuria. <laughs> That's his division. Or if you're listening, Ben's just slandered you. <laughs> That's his division, mate. Whereas well, all the others all... are stacked with talent from top to bottom. Whilst <laughs> you're saying he beats tin cans, nice. <laughs> no, I'm just saying it's just too easy for him. It just makes everyone look like a tin can no matter how good they are. Um, shall we move on? Shall we move on? <laughs> we <got that. laughs> We're going to talk about last weekend's fights a little bit um, before we go into UFC 265, 265. Uh, yeah, Hall vs. Strickland. You, you said you, you were... Um, you know, not as impressed by everyone else's card. I had fun because I got pretty drunk and that's the best thing to do when it's kind of a card of, shall we say, lesser known prospects, lesser known names. And uh, there was a shitload of like round one finishes and knockouts and stuff. And when you're getting blasted watching the fights, that's all you want to see, really. Yeah, I mean, I'll give it to you. It was entertaining. I, I sadly was not intoxicated or enjoying myself, so I can't, I can't partake in that. Tell you what, I did, I, did, I did quite enjoy the main event, though, purely because Sean Streetland just doesn't stop talking, does he? Like he's like jab. There was one funny moment where uh was it Bisping or someone on the commentary thought Strickland was telling Uriah Hall how to get up from the <laughs> like from the situation they were in, but it was actually Uriah Hall's coach. And for some reason they thought it was Strickland telling him what to do. And the other commentator was like, I don't remember which one it was, but the other commentator was like, No, that's safe Sayu. That's not <laughs> that's not um, Sean Strickland. Uh yeah, I don't remember which way around it was with Felder and Bisping. I'll tell you what, yeah, I mean, Sean Strickland may be a, a, an interesting character, but boy, can he fight. He's, he, he may not have, he may not have like one punch power, but he clearly has like concussive power. I mean, he fractured or broke a whole orbital bone, whichever report you want to read. Like, fair play to, to all for keep on going, but I don't know. I, I just, because it was so one sided, I kind of came away from the fight feeling more disappointed as like the days dragged on. Like, if I think about it, if, on the night, I was like, oh my God, that was an amazing performance. Now I think about it, it's kind of like, oh, that was basically a one-sided beatdown. Disappointing really is a good word to sum up your eye all. <laughs> yeah. He's got those moments in it that make you go, oh, fuck, what a knockout. Like the one, you know, the one that they constantly show that he had an ultimate fighter and <laughs> the one single highlight reel. Yeah. yeah but you like, you know, he's capable of producing that, but he just never puts it together when it really matters. Like he'll put a couple wins together and then he'll falter when it really matters. And they were saying on the broadcast, it's a mental thing. I don't know if it's so much a mental thing. It's just, just, putting everything together like i said you know just, i think it's technical i agree yeah um and you know we, we'll talk about it a little bit later when we pick our garbrandt game plan winner but to spend 25 minutes just getting jabbed to death by a guy you have like a what three four inch reach advantage on and not make any adjustments is just awful that's nothing to do with your mental game for, for an unorthodox unpredictable fighter he was very predictable and very orthodox yeah which I think exactly was so disappointing like and against a guy like strickland who is quite textbook like it just kind of didn't really make. I, I kind of have more of an issue with the game plan, which again we'll, we'll get onto later. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's just it, it, the middleweight division itself is quite fascinating because there's like a lot of contenders who are very, very who are who are decent, but I don't feel like any of them are good enough to beat Izzy as it currently stands. Mm-hmm. I'm not convinced that Sean Strickland is there yet. I think he's on like the fringes of like a maybe he's floating around at like the top seven. Probably where I'd put him. I think he got moved up to eight after this fight. So there we yeah, go. Pretty much. And, I, and he's been booked against Rockhold, right? So it's kind of like, well, I don't know. It, I feel like we need to see more from him because I don't think he could do that to Izzy because I think Izzy would just piece him up. 
because yeah. I think his striking is too good. Well, as you mentioned there, they've booked him against Rockhold for December. Um, I'm not sure if that's fully, you know, signed, sealed, delivered, but I think they said it's verbally agreed and Rockhold's already spoken about it in the press. So so that basically means the fight's not happening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, pretty pretty interesting fight there. I mean, you know, I said to you before we start recording, I feel like for Luke, if he was going to come back and get a chance, uh, moving himself straight into like that top kind of six or seven region in the in the division, this is probably perfect for him because it's a guy who's not known for like you say knocking people out which is never good against luke rockhold and uh it's you know a guy who's on a what four five fight winning streak and just moved up to eight so and just won his first main event as well so like he's got enough you know momentum there that if luke snatches that momentum then that puts him right about you know in that kind of you know top five top six region yeah i mean and hey he headlined a card which got more page more pay-per-view buys and watches than the biggest Bellator card of the year. So it's clearly not like a a small name, a small fry. Yeah, um, we were going to talk sorry. about that, weren't we? I was going <laughs> to I was going to come on here and say, you know, that AJ McKee finish. It felt like not just the coming of age for AJ McKee, but like the coming of age moment for Bellator. You know, there was so much hype about it. But then I just realized that my Twitter feed is like such a small echo chamber of MMA because I follow all MMA people. So to me on Twitter, I saw AJ McKee, AJ McKee everywhere, everywhere, everywhere. But no one outside of like hardcore MMA fans gives a fuck about Bellator, even on, like you say, like the most exciting big Bellator card that we've seen in ages, competing against a fairly weak UFC card by name going by name power. And um, what was it? I think it was like 800k viewers peak for the UFC and like 40k for Bellator. Like it wasn't even close, which is disgraceful. Like you're on CBS Sports and that's the kind of numbers you're pulling. Well, and they're on BBC iPlayer in the UK. Oh, you could have fooled me. I, I, I didn't see a single. Yeah, their marketing is terrible. You go on the, the on the iPlayer app, and it's just like Olympics, 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 Dragons or, Den, or the repair then, shop, or whatever yeah. it's called. <laughs> and then Bellator's like in the little corner, like you're like find the box and like zoom in and click on it. Even on the website, the BBC Sport website, there was no articles no, building up it. to absolutely disgraceful. Like you you signed a broadcast deal with the biggest UK broadcaster, free. May I had yeah. UK broadcasting, and you don't take advantage of that. Like, it, it, just the whole thing. I feel like, I feel really sorry for AJ McKee because again, it was basically his coming out party. Looked fantastic. I kind of said that it was going to be something. He was either he was going to win by doing something crazy, and that's basically what happened. Um, by doing something unpredictable, it just yeah, it was a bit flat because I mean we'll, we'll talk about we'll finish the rest of the UFC card in a second. I just want to rant about Bellator for like five minutes. But oh, we can chat about just, Bellator first. There was there was a couple of good fights on there to be fair, but like you yeah. said, it's just like that. It it was it wasn't put out there into the into the universe the way it should have been. I saw some like pretty respectable journalists tweeting like, "Oh, great cover of Bellator, like loads of traction, did, did really well." I was like, "What are you tweeting?" Like yeah. if you st- as you say, if you step outside of your bubble and you look at mainstream, no one gives a jot because the casual MMA fan is a casual UFC fan. They associate the two synonymously. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Like, and they haven't broken down that barrier. And I think with someone like AJ McKee, they had a real chance to do that. Like the guy's got an incredible story. He's literally fought on the same card as his dad. I think he's actually done it a couple of times. His dad trains him. He's he made a bet with Dana White. He was going to be a a champion of the world at one day and if he did he'd buy him lunch Dana's gone back and said yep we'll be doing that so don't be surprised if he comes to the UFC within the next like year or so um, when his contract runs out of course but 
yeah, it's just, I don't know, just, and, uh, and even the press conference, like every, everything just seems like, it just seems very knockoff is what I'm trying to say. It feels like everything is just like, like even like they're like behind the scenes kind of thing. It just seems like a really poor version of Embedded. Like it's just, it really is, isn't it? Because I, I remember I said to you that PFL can get more traction now because PFL is unique. PFL has something that makes people go, oh, that's interesting. They got like the, the point system, the playoffs thing. You know, they've got like the, what is it? Like the super advanced analytics when you're watching it, they have like the exact oh, strike yeah, numbers yeah, at the, the bottom. AR. Like yeah. they, they've got, they've tried to do stuff differently. Bellator has literally just tried to be the UFC and fucking failed miserably. Um, on that card though, there were a couple other interesting performances we should probably shout out. Um, obviously, Usman Namagamadov just looked absolutely insane. I say this every time, but if your name is, first name is Usman and your second name is Namagamadov, you better be fucking good. And he is good. Um, dropped his opponent with a knee to the gut and uh, yeah, finished him pretty quickly with some ground. Here I had. He, he looked I think really good. I think he's got the potential. I emphasize the potential to be better than Habib. Which sounds like a, a crazy claim. Well, with the way Habib's coaching's going, like all his proteges are going to be that good or better. Like uh, his coaching career is going insanely well. I just think Usman's so well rounded. Uh-huh. Like you he know, really he, you know, he's got like A class wrestling, but he's also clearly got A class striking. And Habib's striking was never that good. Whereas Usman kind of like loves his hands a bit, which I kind of love. I love the fact that he. Because every single one of Habib's teammates, you probably go, "All right, they're just going to like wrestle me and ragdoll me." Yeah. But Usman is actually like, no, this guy could legitimately knock me out. Like, and he and he loves standing and banging, and he just looked mint. Was really really impressed, especially his age. I think he's like, I think he's quite young. I think he's like twenty four. Um, I can't remember how old he is, but yeah, he looks amazing. He's what like thirteen and zero now. Um, so yeah, definitely one to follow if if uh, if you're not a, a Bellator fan out there, definitely one to. Shoot there was another ball. sibling on the card, wasn't there? Um, yeah, um, Hassan Magomed Sharipov for um, Zabit's younger brother. Um, he didn't fight Zabit's younger brother. He is Zabit's younger brother. <laughs> um, That'd be interesting. <laughs> and uh, yeah, he. What did he, I? I. I was not. I was still watching the UFC at that point. How? How did that actually go? Because I didn't watch that. Not gonna lie. I. I know he won, uh, but was it a decision or did he win by submission or something? I think he won by decision, from what I remember from the highlights. I think it was decision. Again, this is trouble. I can't literally only watch the main event on Bellator. Exactly. Like I said, we're, you know, we're big MMA fans and I watched UFC and then brought my phone up with the Bellator stream at the side when the main card started. Well, I, one, I found it so... Oh, he won by re- TKO in the second round, by the way. Oh, there we go. I found it ridiculously impossible to watch the live stream anyway on iPlayer because it was just impossible to find. Because literally, as you say, all you find is like Line of Duty or some 13-year-old like TV show. Um, so yeah, all I did was watch <laughs> AJ McKee complete smoke pitbull, and that was well, choke him out. That was that was about it. But yeah, no, good to see you get again. Again, it's like it, it's like, do I care? Because he's gonna end up fighting like tin cans for like the next like eleven fights. Like it's just, it was cool seeing his beat in his corner though. I'll admit, like that, that was pretty. Yeah, no, I saw. Well, it was nice them. to see Zabit's alive, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, like, where's Wally kind of thing? <laughs> <laughs> where's Zabit? Um, should we go back to the UFC quickly so that we can get onto UFC 265? Um, yeah, well, there were a couple of notable performances. Cheyenne Bays, to be fair, looked amazing. And um, can I just say, I know you don't bet much, but this this right here is a perfect fade situation in Netspy. So when you fade someone, that means you're betting against them. And Cheyenne Bays here is so primed for a fade in the, her next fight because. Co-main, 
very marketable. She had the emotional story afterwards with getting the 50K. They are so obviously going to push her into a fight that she has no business being in. She's quite inexperienced. She showed obvious holes in her game in her first fight in the UFC, and the bookies will buy into that hype as well. So just if you're listening to this and you're, and you're a betting man, whoever Cheyenne Bays fights next probably will be worth betting on. Put the house on it. <laughs> <laughs> Unless they build her slow, which I doubt they will. She did look good though, to be fair. And it, it, yeah, I don't really want to touch on the story because I just kind of I hate all that kind of stuff. It just doesn't really suit. Oh, I, it made me. It gave me a little smile. I'm not gonna lie. When she was talking about the fact that like, what was it? She said she had to take like a 15 grand loan out. So like the 10 and 10 for the performance and win. Like, I think we don't really appreciate sometimes. Like, so if she had lost that fight, she would have been in debt from that fight. Like, she she would have been down. She would have been like you know leaving the casino on you know in the negative and. um yeah, I think, you know, it, it does deserve a little bit of a mention that, like, the balls to go in there, you know, with five grand in debt, basically, if you lose, and only five grand in profit if you win, it's hardly, you know, making you know make yourself rich, is it? Um, so and it was amazing. nice to see her get the bonus, and she did look very good. Um, DePaula deserves a shout-out for what the fuck was that um, <laughs> moment of the week. <laughs> Standing up square in front of your opponent with no defense, what's, like, that's... I, I don't even train and that's like day one, you know, <laughs> MMA 101. <laughs> what the fuck? You know in Whack-A-Mole when the, like, the mole pops up <laughs> and you like hit it with that? That's literally what it looked like to me. I was just like, the, the minute she stood up, I was like, head kick is, okay, there we go. Yep. RKO out of nowhere. It was, I, I mean, just ridiculous. I mean, and she's a good striker as well. She's known as a good striker. So just to stand up in front of her opponent like that with no defense at all. Um, was and pretty completely horrific. down. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, speaking of terrible defense, we'll move on to uh, Nicholas Stoltze getting knocked out by uh, Jared Gooden. Um, Gooden, like, Catching the one thing Gooden definitely has is power. Like, I don't think he's a particularly well-rounded fighter, but you can see that he has insane power just by looking at the guy. And, um, yeah, Stoltze just got caught, like, square on, straight jab down the pipe. Um, was pretty poor, to be honest. But, um, you know, a good win for Jared Gooden. He's lost a couple in a row, so nice for him. Yeah, definitely. I mean, my entire issue with Stoltz's, well, lack of any boxing skills. His guard. Um, yeah. <laughs> just, just the two fists, like 10 feet apart. Yeah. Chin wide. His chin was literally pointing at Gooden, like, come hit me. And Gooden obliged. I mean, yeah. <laughs> great to see Gooden get the win column, obviously. Uh, I think that's, I think that's his, it's his first win in the UFC, isn't it? Because he lost his, he lost to Aaron Joban, which is like the weirdest fight ever. And then he lost, and then he to, lost um, to, Abubakar um, Namagamadov. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, and before, but before that, he completely starched on one on Titan FC. So, I think Gooden is really exciting. I don't think he's going to go very far, but put him on. Yeah, like some, I said, like, I don't, I don't see him as a fights. particularly well-rounded, like you know, best of the best, going to be up there challenging the elite. Um, but if you can knock someone out one every three fights, then uh, then he'll stay around in the UFC. Um, couple debutants before that: Melsic Bagdasarian and Colin Anglin. Um, both off contender series. I think they both went on the same contender series card that I made. That may be completely false. I may have just made that up. Um, but yeah, two day de- two debuts. And um, I mean, I thought they both looked pretty good. I, I know obviously all the hype now is about Melsic, but I thought Colin Anglin looked okay. Um, I think we said before we started recording, didn't we, that we would have liked to see him go first a bit more. It was kind of like he accepted the status of, oh, I'm here as the underdog to possibly be a highlight reel for Bagdasarian. Like, do you know what I mean? All the hype going in was, oh, this Bagdasarian guy is such a cool kickboxer. Everyone come check this out. And I don't know if Anglin read any of that, you know, listened to any of that building up to the fight, but it certainly seemed like he was a little bit um, hesitant. 
Yeah, there was a bit of nervous energy, wasn't there? It was just... I mean, it could just be because it was his debut as well, to be fair. Is, is, is Bagdasarian a K1 champion? I can't remember. I don't know. I just know that he was a very good kickboxer. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he was... I'm almost 90% sure he was a K1 champion. But yeah, look very... The very yeah, K one. There we go. K welterweight. Interesting. He just he did look big in there. He did look big. Cool. That's a big cut, isn't it? Imagine going from welterweight to featherweight. Although it's, it's kickboxing, so I think the the actual weight is slightly different. But I mean, it's not as mind blowing as the fact well. that um, Michael Chiesa, who's fighting this week, used to fight a lightweight because he's a <laughs> he's a huge welterweight. That still blows my mind that he ever fought a lightweight. Um, kind of blows yeah. in mind that he can make welter to be fair but yeah <laughs> know, go, massive. going back to uh, Bagdasarian yeah very good um, he's missed weight in the past though like he's missed like he missed further weight by like uh, over a pound so mm, it, it, I, I'm, I'm a bit curious because like, as well if you look at his career he, in, in 2019 he had five fights and he had one fight in 2020 and he just had this fight so he's still pretty relatively early and it's like MMA career he only had one, one fight before that in 2014 which he lost by submission so it's kind of like how how high is the ceiling because I, I did think he looked pretty like comfortable it looked good um, but I he can't have developed his all-round skill set that much considering no. how inexperienced he is and coming from kickboxing um, I I think he's in danger of being a bit of a fraud if you come if they put him in there with a decent grappler with a good chin who it, with good striking defense like um, one I looked at maybe and it makes sense actually looking at the rankings because um, on MMA ranking, they're like 10 apart, and this person is coming off a couple of losses. It's someone you like. Um, Mike Grundy is is who I looked at. And like if you put him in there with someone like Mike Grundy, he's going to maul the fuck out of him for 15 minutes, or he'll probably let Melsic strike it, you know, gas himself out in the first five minutes. And then he's just going to lie on top of him and either submit him or win a decision. Um, I, I do worry a little bit that he, he might be a fraud um, just based on, it seems like he has like six or seven minutes of explosive, unorthodox, weird, wild attacks, you know, powerful explosive attacks. And then it's like, okay, so what's going to be left in the tank after that? Obviously we didn't see evidence of that in that, in, in that fight, but I don't know. I think it's just something to look out for that. He, I don't think he's very well-rounded at this point. That'll be a fun fight. Grundy's I just want to see Mike versus... Grundy get a submission win. Because I bet on him to win by submission every time he fights. In the last couple, it hasn't gone my way. Um, it's just love for Mike Grundy. I was, I was thinking Josh Kulibau. That'd be quite fun. Yeah, that could make sense. He's coming off a win as well. So, um, yeah, it'll be a fun one. And he would probably strike with them. So that'd probably be something more favorable to the UFC if they do want to build back to Sarian. Like I said, putting him in, in with someone with Grundy. I'm thinking of how can we make him lose? I'm a pessimist. <laughs> um Couple other good fights there, wasn't there? Jason Witt and Brian Barberena had a bit of a crazy one. That one fight of the night, um, I felt like a veteran kind of scrap. Do you know what I mean, it like, was a weird like... fight. Like in the first kind of six seven minutes, it was like Barberena had forgotten because he'd been out the UFC for so uh, out the octagon for so long. Like he kind of forgotten how to defend a takedown. <laughs> like the takedowns Witt got was so easy, and you know a guy like Barberena, who's a great striker and usually has good takedown defense with the specific intention of keeping it on the feet. Like it was a little bit weird how easily Witt just like ran at him and took him down. Um, but then obviously Barbarina bounced back, got a 10-8, I think on one judge's scorecard in the third round. Uh, yeah, really fun fight. I do worry about Witt's chin with regardless of whoever he's fighting next. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it kind of reminds me of um, Tanabosa. 
which sounds like a really weird comparison, but like that is strange. That is strange. <laughs> I, I, I just mean like I, I feel like he loves the scrap, but like that could end up get he could end up getting really hurt basically because I don't I don't think he, technically I don't think I don't think either of them are very good really, like. And I feel like if they get matched up with a prospect who's a drive by on Tanabosa, <laughs> <laughs> just bring him up and shitting on him randomly. Well, I just, I, I don't know, just like, don't get me wrong, like decent fighters, but I just don't think they're technically very good. So, I, and that's why the threshold isn't so high. So, if they get matched up with like, a, a, I don't know, a, a prospect, say, who's looking to build a name or get a bit of a statement, like, I don't think it could end, I don't think it will end very well for them, basically. <laughs> Yeah, um, I mean that got fight of the night. Uh, to be honest, I was surprised the fight before it didn't get fight of the night. The uh, the featured prelim, Chris Grootsmarker and uh, Rafa Garcia. I thought that was a great fight and and more of a fight of the night kind of scrap. You know what I mean? Because like, yeah, okay, the third round of Wit and Barbarina was absolutely insane. But up until then, like I said, it was basically just Wit kind of grinding on him, blanding takedowns. There wasn't that much action before the last five minutes. The last five minutes was just completely insane. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'll admit, I, I kind of thought that fight was more fun than the Grizz Marker Garcia one, purely because I thought Garcia was just plodding forward. <laughs> yeah, and Garcia really, was like, like having cardiac arrest after like seven minutes. And <laughs> to be fair to him, just kept going. Yeah, clearly has like amazing willpower. But and poor cardio. <laughs> and not, not much else. <laughs> uh, yeah, Grizz Marker, well, it was fun. It just. I feel like the prelims were just such poor quality. Like, it was just, I don't know, it just, I, thankfully I kind of fell asleep and I ended up waking up like intermittently every like third round. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, I haven't really missed much. That's fine. Or, oh God, I've missed a knockout or whatever. But Well, there's yeah, one bit the, of news the- I saw that kind of explains why uh, Ryan Benoit didn't look quite as good as uh, mm. as we've come to expect is apparently... I can't remember what the exact details of the injury were. That what those calf kicks that ate him up did something nasty to like his fibula or tibula or something. Um, I had like he had like a broken fibula or I can't remember. Um, but yeah, he had, he had a bad. He has got a bad injury on on his leg. Um, on the one that was getting kicked to hell. Because um, remember, if you remember, like they were good calf kicks, but it was like one or two into the fight, he was immediately limping really badly. Um, yeah, apparently he's like broken something or ruptured something in his in his calf or in his lower leg. So. Um, yeah, that kind of explains why he was crippled. But to be fair to him, still moving forward as much as possible. Ouch! Wouldn't want that. What else was on? Oh, the Karkamaka Danny Chavez fight was fun, but it was also like it was funny. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> See, it, it I saw I saw a meme of um, you know that meme of the guy that's like, I'll fucking do it again. It was like when Herb said to Kaikamaka, now don't break the rules or, or I'm going to take a point. And it was, I'll fucking do it Keep him up. <laughs> I, to be fair, the, the shot that they took a point for, I didn't think hit him on the cup. I thought it hit him in the belly button. Yeah, I thought it was like waistline. Yeah, it, it looked a little high. And I feel like Chavez heard Herb Dean say one more and you're getting a point and he kind of sold it a little bit. Yeah, I did, kind of, I, I did feel like that upon reflection. Um Kakamaka's really like can look great for like 30 seconds but then can also like be really really frustrating because I feel like he's got like really good skills he just yeah. doesn't I feel like at the stage in his career he doesn't quite know how to put them together just yet yeah Although, I, I think he's know, only think... like 25 so um, 
you know, he's what lost a couple and drawn one in his last few. So to be honest, it wouldn't be that much of a surprise if they cut him, but it maybe could be a blessing in disguise to, you know, go to the regional scene, pick up a few, you know, a bit more experience and come back and more. Cause like you say, he definitely has potential and he's a super fun fighter. Well, he trains with, I'm not surprised he's a fun fighter because I think Ray Cooper Jr. was in his corner. Yeah. Or Ray Cooper the third, sorry, was in his corner. Ray Cooper who was obviously yeah. PFL champion. Um, who finishes like every win he yeah, has literally is like case. one of the most <laughs> exciting fighters yeah. on the planet like, so it's no surprise that Kakamaka is so much fun but yeah I just feel like there's something missing it's probably the best way of describing it like, I'm not saying he's not complete but it's yeah. just the, there's a tiny little bit just of needs a little bit of refinement there and like I said he is still young so um, it'll be interesting to see if uh, if he does get cut I, I don't, don't think he'll get cut now maybe if he loses one more he will but like I said I think at this stage in his career if he did it wouldn't be a terrible thing because he'd probably be back a few years later an even better fighter than he is now um, Jin Yu Frey won against Ashley Yoda that wasn't a particularly exciting fight although to be fair Jin Yu Frey looked a lot better than I thought she would her striking looked really good and she looked ripped as well by the way um, Adashev and Ryan Benoit we already talked about that and then the opening fight was uh, Philip Rowe against uh, Orion Kosi. I think you say that as Orion. It's a bit of a weird name. <laughs> yeah, I think and, it is Orion. Yeah, that was quite a fun fight. Um, Kosi just grinded on him in the first round, and then Rowe remembered, oh, wait, I'm a 10 times better striker than this guy, and kept it in the, uh, kept at a distance in the second round and pieced him up. Um, before we go on to UFC 265, we always like to pick a Garbrandt game plan winner, someone who we think showed poor fight IQ or poor game planning during a fight. And uh, I have to say, there are several candidates on this card. Would you like to do the honors going first, or do you want me to go first? I really don't mind. Um, I've, I've already got mine. It sprung to mind before I even. Well, I've, I've got a couple, and one of them's probably yours. I'll pick one. I'm. Got, I've got to go with DePaula. Just oh, I know you stole the mine. <laughs> I know it was a short thing, and well, we're unanimous then. I know it was a short fight, and it wasn't like an extensive period of showing poor fight IQ. But I mean, I mentioned to you earlier, Bisping said on his podcast that they literally warm up doing that in the back they warm up getting up with their arm up to protect getting head kicked like that's exactly what they warm up to prevent and she stood up in front of her opponent with no defense and exactly what they pre- worked to prevent happened <laughs> like i i have to i have to give it to and uh you're in agreement i am in agreement i was gonna get well i was gonna go to paula but i'm gonna go uriah hall is also a close second he was one of my candidates as well not no pushing the pace in 25 not minutes. changing anything just crazy especially at a fight which was such high stakes for him because yes. it's a long road back to that well anywhere near a title shot now for Uriah Hall um, and I, I don't know quite what Saif was doing in his corner like not telling him to change anything just kind of was a bit strange maybe they're just protecting him and being like i'll just get through this fight it was just okay, like a motive but... like they were just doing like motivation and when they went to his corner in between rounds it was just like come on you're right you gotta turn this up now you gotta go like you gotta go first it was just like that guy there was no technical like okay let's do this instead let's try yeah, to like take slip him down it, you know like, let's slip yeah. his jab <laughs> there was there was absolutely nothing um well they can be joint with you there was there was uh you know, it's the it's the Olympics. I'm in the Olympic spirit. Wasn't there two long uh, high jumpers or long jumpers? I did. Were... That was my biggest article last week. Yeah. <laughs> uh, pole vaulters. What was it? Was it high jumpers? Pole vaulters? High jumpers. Two yeah. high jumpers. Yeah. And and they took a, a joint gold medal together. So we'll give the same thing here to joint gold rank game plan. There we go. Gloria De Paula. Um, joint stupid awful game planning slash fight IQ. Um, <laughs> we'll move on to uh to UFC 265 before I insult any other people who could kick my ass. Um, bit of bad news, obviously, Amanda Nunes and Juliana Pena is off this card, but it does mean we get Jose Aldo and Pedro Munez, um, Munoz co-main, so not all bad. 
Yeah, I, I was thinking, and I, I, before we get onto the card, I have a hypothetical question to pose to you. How much fun would it be if they made if they made uh, co-mains five rounds, just automatically so had, like they did with the Diaz Leon thing? Yeah. Yeah, if it was just automatically a five. Are you round just saying thing. that because you want Aldo and Munoz to be five rounds? Maybe or... a little bit. Maybe a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I, I agree with you there. They could do it again. They should do it again with this one. But um, I don't know. I feel like there'll be enough violence in three rounds as well. To be fair, I hope Aldo brings back the leg kicks. Oh boy, because this is Munoz isn't a puncher, but I, feel like I wouldn't Munoz say Aldo's is just a savage. Munoz is like. Yeah. He just goes smells blood and goes for it to just kill someone or get killed himself, and he doesn't give a fuck which one it is. Like he just loves to scrap. Hasn't he got like a really crazy nickname as well? Uh, I don't remember what his nickname is. Uh, give me two seconds, and I'll find out. Yeah, he's obviously the young Punisher. Um, He's coming off that impressive win against um, Jimmy Rivera, in which he absolutely beat the fuck out of Jimmy Rivera's calves with leg kicks. Yeah, Yeah. and um, obviously Aldo is renowned shall we say for destroying people's calves so although hasn't used them in god knows how long maybe he'll bring them back didn't use them against cheeto just sat on his back for the entire third round um but yeah should we start should we start with the prelims um we got another munoz although i'm not sure it's pronounced the same um johnny munoz opening up the fight card against uh jamie simmons simmons is a guy who got head kicked by uh by giga chikadze uh i think that was his debut in the ufc and um i know i got a favor munoz here to be honest because just we haven't really seen much good from Simmons in his short career so far in the UFC. And we know Munoz is a really good grappler. So I wouldn't be surprised if he if he immediately takes us to the mat. Yeah, you've got to play to your strengths. And Simmons Simmons seems to have like a really fun style. Like I've seen a couple of fight, of his fights on the regional circuit and like he is really entertaining. But as you say, if there's a clear deficiency, just go for it. I'll be, I'll be honest, I don't know much about Munoz. Like, I know he lost the decision on his debut. Um, because he lost to uh, Nate Maynus, who looked really good. So I don't think there's too much um, you know, negativity to take from that, to be fair. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a good like main card opener. Uh, the prelim card opener, sorry. Yeah. And then next uh, up, we got uh, Victoria Leonardo, who's the girl who looks like a soccer mom and just... <laughs> Um, mauled what's her name Chelsea Hackett on Contender Series and she's fighting Melissa Gatto um, I I kind of feel like Leonardo might suck I, I, I don't want to throw that out there too soon because we've only seen her fight twice and in, in the UFC and she's won one Didn't she one. die to Manon Fiora yes she got killed by Fiora yeah. in her debut um, and again she also lost like to Aaron Blanchfield in, yeah. uh, in, yes and I lose her record I think she's lost three times and they're all Oh no, maybe I'm thinking of someone else. I was gonna say I think she's lost three times and are all good people, but um, I might be thinking of somebody else. This is interesting. Um, it says that she's lost three times. Yeah, if you go on Google, it says she's lost four. How bizarre. Oh, that's probably why I was confused. Um yeah, I think let me just bring up a record. I remember thinking, oh wow, the people she's lost to are all really good, to be fair. Um, she's, she's lost, lost to, to Miranda Fiora. Maverick, Aaron oh, Blanchfield. That's it. Yeah. yeah, Blanchfield and Maverick. So like her three losses are all really high-level people. So it's not like I can't say for sure that she, she sucks, but I just feel like the, the fight she got a contract with in Contender Series was just um, was against Chelsea Hackett, who has no grappling experience at all. I think she was either a kickboxer or a boxer and, and had only just gotten into MMA. She was like a few fights into her MMA career. So like she got onto she got through Contender Series by just mauling someone, just grapple fucking someone who literally did not know how to grapple, was young. I think Chelsea Hackett's like 23 or something. 
And um, I don't know, I just feel like putting her in here against someone who's an absolute whiz with submissions, even though she's also young, is uh, like she's not going to be able to play to her strengths because Victoria Leonardo's strengths are getting you down and beating the fuck out of you. You can't do that against someone who can just snap an arm. Yeah, it's a bit dangerous, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it tends to be. Yes, it's, it's it's a tough out anyway. Um, I'm I'm a bit. I didn't really rate Leonardo at all. Again, I thought I thought Fiora just looked insane, but I haven't seen enough of the other one to really pass a comment. I'll look to have a bit of tape on her. She has nice submissions, and like I said, I, I think that's all she might need here against Leonardo because. I don't know. I do get soccer mom vibes from Leonardo. <laughs> it's, it's harsh. I know it's harsh, but um, like I said, she, her win against Chelsea Hackett isn't that impressive to me, not because Hackett's bad, but just because she's so inexperienced and isn't like, has not developed her grappling at all. She was what? Three and oh. Yeah. And was only a striker. So Leonardo literally just took it down on Mulder. Um, so yeah, pretty interesting one here Two kind of, you know, for most people, relatively unknown um, fighters and, you know, whichever one of them wins, obviously going to get a fair bit of momentum, but I'm definitely leaning Gato. Um, Miles Johns, Anderson Dos Santos has obviously moved from the card a couple of weeks ago. Um, they had a COVID test in one of their corners. I can't remember which. Uh, but I don't even remember if we analysed this fight at the time. No, I don't think we did. I am really high on Miles Johns, though. I know he got knocked out by Batista, but I think Johns is a very good fighter. Good prospect. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I think he'll win this pretty handily, to be honest. Um, I don't. Nothing that Dos Santos is good at is something that Johns isn't better at. Does that make sense? I worded that really poorly. Um, yeah, everything Dos Santos is good at, Miles Johns is good at as well. I think Miles Johns is more well-rounded and has more, you know, more threats. So, um, yeah, definitely, I like Miles Johns as well. I think he's a good fire, and I definitely lean his way. What we got next? We got hype job, mate, Manel Carp, <laughs> the most frustrating fighter on the UFC roster. Well, I'm surprised you're here because I was hating on him during his last fight. Um, not hating on him. I wasn't hating on him. I just was frustrated from his perspective that he made repeated the same mistakes that he made in his debut and then bitched and cried that he didn't win a decision, which he clearly didn't win. Um, but I think he's going to let his hands go here and I think he's going to demolish Ode Osborne. I don't think, or is it Ode or Ode? I don't know. Um, I don't think yeah. Osborne's very good, to be honest. Like he rushed <laughs> into a, he rushed into a guillotine from um, Brian Boom Kelleher on his debut. And then he dropped down and fought Jerome Rivera. So that's his only win in the UFC is Jerome Rivera, who's 0-4 and, and cut. Yeah, it doesn't bode well, does it? And I don't know where I don't know where uh, Cap's been training actually. I just feel like Manel will know, like he can't make that mistake a third time. Surely he can't go in there a third time and be cautious and not let you know, not let his power do the talking, not let his hands go. And you know, Osborne's a good grappler, but so is Manel as well. So. I don't know. I, I think I feel like this is a coming out party for Manel Carp. And like I said, I've been critical of him in the past. So, you know, this is not biased. I'm not a fan of his or anything. Um, I just, you can't make the same mistake three times in a row. He'd probably get cut if he goes in there and fights a boring fight and loses another decision. So um, I might actually have a bet here on, on Manel Carp to win in the distance because I think Osborne's been finished in two of his three losses as well. So, um, and Manel's, has he won all of his wins by finish or like 14 out of 15 or yeah. something crazy like that? It's so, pretty high. Um, yeah, I think I might have a bet here on Manel to win by finish. Come on, Starboy. I just, I, I kind of just want to say it purely because, well, not that I want, not that I want I, him to win over Osborne because 
whoever wins doesn't really bother me. But I think purely he needs to vindicate himself, right? He needs to prove that he belongs. I think that's the thing. I always quite like it when fighters. And he is quite marketable as well. Like there's something about him, you know, coming from Rising, where it's like if he if he starched someone here, if he, you know, if he starches him here on this big card, where instantly people will be talking about him. Yeah, exactly. It kind of feels like a, as you say, a, a perfect opportunity. Yeah, to, to just completely erase showcase himself. Those yeah. two kind of disappointing losses. Um, Carolina's back against Jessica Penn. Um, Weird this, fight. Yeah, this is really just like how washed, how dusted is Carolina? <laughs> like that's what... how both. <laughs> yeah, but Jessica Penn's coming off a win, so it's slightly different. Like Carolina's been getting beat the fuck up in like saddening fashion. Like I've literally been depressed watching her fight because I do like her a lot. Um, I think it's going to be the same, right? <laughs> I don't know. Like Jessica Penn can't really strike at all. I think I saw something earlier that she has like the worst distance strike differential in the weight class in UFC history or something like that. Like her, <laughs> her striking is really not very good. I, I think it all kind of just depends on where this fight takes place, right? If she can get in close and get her up against the fence and get it to the mat, then you'd favor Jessica Penn. If it stays on the feet, then you'd have to favor Carolina. Yeah, I would say so. I, I I think I've just I can't back Carolina purely because like her performances have been so disappointing, and I can't remember the last time. Well, like I, I said, they've can't... been sad. She's not just been losing; she's been getting beat the fuck up. <laughs> and like I just can't. I actually can't remember her last good performance. It sounds really bad, but I can't. Like, who... don't ask me off the top of my head because I won't remember either. My memory's not great, mate. <laughs> What was the last time that I was like, okay, no, she's pretty decent, man. I honestly couldn't tell you. Um, but yeah, like I said, it, it kind of all depends on where this fight takes place because it, Penn is crafty. And you know, when she it, beat Rose, maybe, or yeah, I feel like that's probably yeah, like that the. Would have to be it. God, I, I literally forgot she beat. How did Carolina beat Rose? <laughs> um, I mean, Rose has come a long way in a short space of time, to be fair. She developed pretty quickly, um, as Pat Barry will attest to. Um, <laughs> The um, <laughs> we'll move on. We'll move on. Alonzo Menafield is fighting Ed Herman. Um, I mean Ed Herman still going. What a what a don. Like is there, is there, did, he, did he drop down? Uh, I don't know. Did he? I can't. I can never remember because Alonzo Menafield is absolutely fucking huge. So I can never actually remember what weight class he's in because I always think he's uh, yeah. No, he moved up. He moved up from middleweight, didn't he? I'm an idiot. No way. Oh yeah, you're right. You're I right. thought he, I thought he changed. Yeah. Uh, Alonzo Menfield again one of those prospects who you never know which Alonzo Menfield is going to turn up right mm-hmm. exactly <laughs> like if it's Alonzo Menfield who like comes out guns blazing then yeah sure but if it's the Alonzo Menfield who like gasses in the first 30 seconds or there's a big gun shy well Her- like it's- Herman is the type of guy who could survive that you know five five minute storm that Menfield's undoubtedly going to bring and then um, you know and then grind out a decision with like rounds two and three or maybe get a late finish Maybe that'll be part of Menafield's game plan is to not blow his load in the first round. Like you'd you'd hope it is from his perspective because he is, you know, a fast twitch guy who who will gas if Ed Herman's grinding on him. Yeah, I agree. I think that's his his best route of action. And again, Ed Herman's pretty savvy for that. I like I feel like his record kind of doesn't not necessarily disservice, but He's been around for ages, man. Like I, I mean, if you've like, been around that long, 27 and 14 is not bad. Like if you're 27 and 14 so... coming off the regional scene, that's not great. But when you've been in the UFC for that long, fighting top level guys, 
Yeah, exactly. He, he, I mean, he subbed like Mike Rodriguez and looked pretty close. Oh, don't get me started on that. That was bullshit. <laughs> don't you remember that? <laughs> no, but, yeah, he, but, he, he had the fake low blow when he was clearly yeah. just finished by a body shot. <laughs> yeah, but, he but he was so... shot and the ref thought it was a low blow, and then he just two minutes after the recovery time subbed him so instead. Nice. Um, yeah, but yeah, no, I know what you mean. He's very savvy and like he's been in there with loads of different fighters. So yeah, I mean, I feel like this could be a. Uh, in-play betting situation or live betting if you're American. Um, Menafield's probably going to look really good in the, in the first round. If he looks even slightly gassed at the end of the first round, bet Ed Herman as an underdog. Submission. There we go. Uh, what do we got next? Vince Morales oh, great, and Draco Rodriguez. The, the great Dracolini, I'll have you know. Um, oh, great nickname. Great nickname. He got smoked by Zahabi's brother, didn't he? Yeah, he got smoked by Eamon Zahabi, who I think Vince Morales has actually beat by decision earlier in his career. So a um, bit of MMA math that never works for you there. Um, this is a weird MMA math, though, because Morales has come off two losses. One, he lost by leg kicks. Yeah, which I don't want to, you know, I'm, I'm a fan. I sit on the couch and watch, so I don't want to call a fighter a quitter. But we just saw Ryan Benoit's leg literally get absolutely destroyed to the point where he needs surgery and he kept fighting and kept coming forward. If you get finished by leg kicks, I don't feel comfortable putting my money on you. I'll just say it that way. I won't call him a quitter. I'll just say that I would never put my money on someone who gets finished by leg kicks because I don't think they're going to do everything in their power to win. Yeah, I I, I can't disagree. It, it just seems... It just seems in, inevitable that someone's going to get finished in this fight. Do you know what I mean? I, yeah. I, I can't really see it being a decision. And Rodriguez I mean, I, does have really slick submissions as well. Um, I think it was a guillotine one way on, on Contender Series, or I can't actually remember specifically, but... Yeah, um, he did uh, triangle choke. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, that was it. Yeah, that was it. Um, and yeah, like I said, I think he's got uh, quite a few wins by submission, like maybe four of his seven or something like that. And he, he does look really good in the, in the small bit of tape I've watched. So I know it's an interesting fight. Morales has had more experience against high-level opponents, I suppose. So, um, you know, maybe experience will be key here, but I think I'd have to lean Rodriguez. Yeah, I'm agreed. What have we got next? Got your boy, Raphael Fiziev. I learned it this week that it's pronounced Fiziev, Fiziev not Fiziev. Yeah. Everyone calls him Fiziev. Fiziev apparently, yeah. it's Fiziev. Fiziev, yep. Fiziev, the bundle of fun. And Bobby the Green. crazy Kazakhstani. I hope Bobby stuff. Green throws some head kicks just so we get to see Fiziev do his uh, his Matrix shit that he did against Mark <laughs> G. Casey. His bullet dodging. Yeah. yeah. Um. I am so high on this guy. It's not even true. I want to see him versus Brad Riddell at some point, but it probably never happened because they're boys. But That'd be crazy. Yeah, this Kyrgyzstani monster from Kazakhstan is just like Kyrgyzstan from Kazakhstan. They're yeah, that's countries, mate. No, I know, but like he is. I think he's like all of them. I think he also is all the stands. Yeah, yeah, basically <laughs> uh, represents them all. Uh, he fights out of Kyrgyzstan. Sorry. Imagine Bruce Buffer saying that. And here's from all yeah, the stands. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> no, he fights out of Kyrgyzstan. That's why I was getting confused. Yeah. Um, uh, I mean, obviously, Bobby Green's hardly ever in a boring fight as well. So you'd expect this to be kind of like the Gia Casey fight. I always have trouble saying Gia Casey's name, by the way. Um, you'd expect it to be kind of like that fight in terms of just, you know, really fun striking back and forth. Probably a lot of kicks thrown in there as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, Fiziev is a heavy favorite here for a reason. Like you say, he is so, so good. I kind of fancy a Fiziev stoppage, if I'm being honest. I think he'll, I think he'll put him away. 
I can see I it. Know. Bobby Green is tough. Bobby Green is a tough customer and like a great litmus test here as well for, for Fiziev because if he wins, I'm completely forgetting it's Fiziev. a legit win. I'm completely forgetting he completely smoked Marcano, which isn't saying much, but even so. Yeah, yeah, he put him on his ass. He did smoke him. <laughs> yeah, like I said, that's a really fun fight and um, you would have to favorite Fiziev. He is a favorite for a reason. And um, But I don't know, Bobby Green has upset people before as an underdog. He always is game. He always, you know, shows good striking, shows toughness. So um, it's not a walk in the park by any means. Certainly not. What have we got next? Main card, Song Yudong, Casey Kenny. Two people who have robbed fighters I love. <laughs> Song Yudong robbed Cheeto Vera and Casey Kenny robbed Nathaniel Wood. So fuck these guys. <laughs> also um, a very tough fight to pick. Yeah, really difficult. I think it's a complete pick them with the with the odds. I think you literally even money both ways, pretty much, and um, understandably so. Like they're both at similar stages in their career. They're both really well rounded. Um, they both have insane pace and cardio. Um, I mean, great choice to open up the main card. It should be an absolute barn burner. Yeah, it's got it's kind of got fire the night written all over it, doesn't it? Because I don't feel like I I don't feel like either of them are going to get finished. I feel like it's going to go to the decision. I'm kind of leaning Song Yudong just because I think he's fought a high level or higher. Well, I say that Kenny's literally just fought Cruz, but also yeah, I was going to say Kenny's got Wood and Cruz on his resume, which is which is decent competition there. Yeah, but I, I guess collectively, Song Yudong's probably fought a better level. Maybe yeah, Ky- Kyla Phillips, Chito Vera, um, definitely some some beasts on his resume. Even though he lost. So to again, it probably explains why the odds are so pick him, but. I think I'll probably just I I think I would lean to Song Yudong because I feel like he'll probably iron out the creases at um, Alpha Male. Uh, I, I feel like the thing is that he needs to change with more pacing and throw him more. I felt like against Charlie Phillips, he didn't really throw much. Like, yeah, it was almost like, like he was a little bit like scared almost hesitancy. of the, of the yeah. crazy shit that Kyler Phillips can produce. Um, but yeah, Casey Kenny is obviously more like a pressure uh, mixing the wrestling here and there. And um, that might actually, like you say, favor Song Yudong a little bit more that he'd not have to be worried about getting, you know, spinning kick to the face. Um, speaking of spinning kicks, Tisha Torres and Angela Hill, there's going to be a lot of kicking in this fight, I'd imagine. I've got a boring decision on this, to be honest, mate. <laughs> <laughs> it's not going to be boring if you like watching kicks. If you like kickboxing, this is the fight for you. Yeah, I've just got Tisha Torres' decision, snooze fest written all over it for me <laughs> I think Angela Hill wins this not gonna lie um, interesting they've already fought though this is a rematch yeah yeah um, but I, I, I just think I love how active Angela Hill is like I know she doesn't always she's win but female BMF yeah like if there's a fight to be had she's jumping in there and having it like I absolutely love how active she is and um, I know Tisha Torres looked really good was it Sam Hughes she fought in her last fight yeah okay. um, she messed up right didn't she yeah she like, like knocked her eye out of her socket basically yeah <laughs> um, probably broke her orbital but i mean that's not exactly high level of competition no offense to be you know beaten on and um like I say angela hill's been jumping in there with all you know all comers from you know grapplers to strikers so um i don't know i feel like angela hill's getting you know leveling up more and more because she's so active and that there really isn't you know no no matter how much you train there's no replica for for fighting and um i don't know i just i i favor angela hill here yeah, I, I think I'm just going to leave the teacher Torres purely because the way she did, they, well, because she won the, the first fight, so I'm going to have to lean that way. 
But yeah, as you say, I think with Hill, the thing is, she looks very busy, but doesn't necessarily do as much damage as you as you think. Which sounds kind of crazy because she's got like ridiculous elbows and stuff. But like, I feel like the way to beat these stars is to throw volume. So that's what if I'm Hill, that's what I'd be doing. I think I'd, I'd be taking the fight to teach stars rather than counter punching. Um, well, I completely forgot this fight was on the. I How completely you forgot the this. Vicente Luque is fighting. Um, I'm going to surprise you here as well because I have a bet on this fight and it's not what you think. Um, I love Vicente Luque. You know, I love Vicente Luque. He's one of my favorite fighters. I love any fighter who goes out there to finish fights every time. Um, Dies in the shield. I feel like this fight is so obvious, not obvious, so it's so set up for Chiesa to ruin everyone's hopes and dreams of a fun fight and just lie on him for 15 minutes. We've seen Neil it Magni, happen with Luke before. Yeah, we've seen it happen with Luke before against Leon Edwards. Um, he he won the first round, and then rounds two and three, Leon just pushed him up against the fence, lay on top of him. Um, and outside of Colby and Usman, I don't think there's a better grappler in the division than Michael Chiesa. Like at what he does, he is elite. I'm not saying he's an elite fighter, but at what he does, he is absolute. Like right up there with the best of the best. And I I can 100 see him just lay and pray you know, pit, make this a clinch battle up against the fence and, and winning a decision here. I think it was Adam Catterall from BT who described him as a a blanket. Yeah. Like someone who literally just smothers you. That And the way he transitions. Yeah, his that's scrambling what I against Magnum yeah. was amazing. The way he, it's almost like a flow. He literally is like a wave. He just washes over you, just keeps on like doing his thing. Unless Luke catches him, I kind of see the same thing happening. Just because I don't think he's got the wrestling to deal with him. Um, and Chiesa's what, a slight like, underdog here. I think, honestly, you give me Chiesa as a slight underdog against anyone in this division not named Colby or Usman, I'll take it. So even though I am a, a fan of Luke, this is a win-win, right? You bet on the person you're not a... You know, I'm not, I don't like Chiesa, but I like Luke a lot. So I bet on Chiesa. And then if my bet loses, I'll be like, hey, at least Luke won. So, um, But yeah, I think this has got Chiesa decision written all over it as much as I love Luke. It's a very fun fight anyway. Like, And it's very pivotal for the welterweight division because if Chiesa yeah. wins, it, it'd be hard to deny him a shot at, after Leon Edwards. Yeah, like, 100%. He's kind of third or fourth in the queue. Yeah. Makes, I mean, I'd love to see Chiesa versus Colby at some point. I feel like that's inevitable. Um, if, if Luke loses, can we put him in there with Bilal Muhammad? Yes. Just so Bilal will stop calling for fights that he doesn't deserve. They're not training partners either, are they? Tell him again. Um, they don't train I don't together. think so. Yeah, 100% make that I fight. do like Bilal Muhammad as a person because his podcast is hilarious and he's a good dude. But um, I'm just not massively sold on on the whole hype of him being some you know future contender. And um, no, yeah, so. Luke's already smoked him once. So. He, he was five <laughs> seconds away. He, he was literally five seconds away from being smoked by Liam Edwards until the unfortunate eye poke. So yeah, and he's no. in complete denial about it. But anyway, um, we'll move on <laughs> before I start insulting a guy who I actually like. Um, Jose uh, Aldo, main event. Pedro Munoz. Um, I mean, this was the people's main event even before I got moved up to the co-main. Actually, um, what am yeah. I saying? Guns on this card. This isn't the people's main event. I disagree. <laughs> Nah, Surogan's just your main event, mate. No one else loves him like you do. Um, <laughs> Munoz and Aldo. I mean, we already mentioned it. The calf kicking in this is going to be like, you're going to be cringing watching this. Like your calf is going to hurt watching this fight. Yeah, you're going to start itching. <laughs> you're gonna start, your, your feet are going to start curling. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's going to be an amazing scrap. I'm really excited for, I'm excited to see what Aldo can do. I'm also excited to see it like, 
it's the battle of Brazil. That's what makes it even more fascinating. Mm-hmm. Like this is this is this is more at stake than just the UFC. This is this is personal pride. My only regret this is, for this fight is that it's not happening in Rio. Oh yeah, can you imagine? Imagine if it was a main card. Yeah, the King of Rio versus a the Young Punisher main event on a, on a Rio fight night. It'd be so Ooh, good. spicy. And I mean the Luke yeah. Kiesa could be co-main. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the one crowd would be and... booing stuff and throwing bottles in the in in the cage while Kiesa lays on him for fifteen minutes. And then Garn gets a touch shot. Oh, fine by me. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I really can't pick a winner between Aldo and Pedro Munoz. I just, I like them both a lot. They're both savages. They're both well-rounded. They both have like super good cardio, pretty, you know, pretty resilient. Um, it's really tough to predict a winner there. I think I'd probably lean Munoz just because he's younger and he's on a bit of a tear, but you can't really bet against Jose Aldo to win any fight ever. So, um I don't know. That's a really tricky one to call. I I genuinely am on the fence. I'll go Aldo for last. My heart says Aldo. My gut says Munoz. Because I'll go Munoz then, just because you said Aldo. I'll go Munoz. (laughs) (laughs) And then, uh, like you say, the main event is is definitely your main event, mate. Because I know you have a bit of a man crush on Cyril Garn. I mean, he is a handsome dude and has a sexy French accent. So you know, what can you say? Um, Nine and zero fighting Derek Lewis. I mean, I think I saw this as this the like one of the quickest, like in terms of days from his debut, one of the quickest paths to a title shot in UFC history. It's like almost the exact same as John Jones. Since and he was actually speaking about John Jones. I don't know if you saw on the interview with Nick Pete, but he was saying how he, he would actually he actually wants to fight John Jones more. Than he, he, like his dream fight is John Jones. Yeah, like that's what I don't know. I just think it's for me. I've got like I I just think it's going to be a Muay Thai masterclass. I think he's just going to pick him apart. I think Lewis will gas and then he might put him away. Other than that, I just can't see... I can't see Lewis catching him with a haymaker because I think Garn's too technical to like, even get caught. Well, he's not really what Curtis Blades did and just blindly <laughs> sprinted him for a takedown after... And unless you shoot at Blades... Not you're not it up. Gonna, if Blades can't catch and Garn, he's not going to catch Garn, is he? Like, just kind of... Lewis, you mean? Sorry, if if Lewis if yeah played if Lewis can't catch Garner, he's not going to catch Garn. I think Garn is going to show why everyone's so high on him. Um, yeah, and it's actually interesting how the UFC booked this fight before he even beat Volkov, which just goes to show how much the UFC themselves are backing him. Because I know Dana came out and said he was a bit disappointed with the Volkov performance, but from talking to the UFC brass behind the scenes. They are all super high on Garn because they yeah. want Garn versus Ngarnu in Paris. But then again, Derek Lewis is Derek Lewis. You can't write him I out. Mean, exactly. How many times have we, have we sat here and said, I think we did it for the Blade fight. I think we said, oh, Blades is probably going to lie on him for 25 minutes. And um, he's Derek Lewis. Like, you never know. So, um, but no, I think I, I, I do agree with you. Like I said, Lewis can win. Obviously, he's Derek Lewis. He only needs to catch you once. But... And my one concern on that front, by the way, would be we've never really seen Garn hurt, so we don't actually know how you know how good his chin is, how resilient he is, because we've never actually seen him have much adversity. Like I think there was one moment in the Volkov fight where I wouldn't say he got wobbled, but like he got hit by a good shot and sort of stepped Buzzed, back yeah, for a second, yeah. like oh, like that hurt. <laughs> um, but I, you know, we've never actually seen him like in real danger, so we don't actually know if he gets caught by one of those shots. You know, will his chin take it? If if his chin takes it, how resilient is he to then, you know, be willing to take it again and keep pushing forward? That would be my one concern for him. But um, no, I have to agree with you. I have my my third bet of the card here, and it's actually on Gan to win by finish. Interesting. Do you think I, I think he'll finish him late? 
Yeah, I, I, that's exactly what I was going to say because typically when Lewis gets finished, it's because he gasses. Like the Mark Hunt loss, he basically just had a cardiac arrest in, <laughs> up against the cage and collapsed. I, like Hunt I, didn't even hit him cleanly with anything. I think that's what happened against Garn. I think Garn will push the pace and throw lots of volume and basically dictate the tempo. Completely. I can see like a body kick in like rounds four or five dropping him for sure. Yeah, digging the toes in to the liver. Yeah. I'm just really excited because it's just the whole Cyril Garn story is just crazy. Like the guy was literally like 20. So he was my age and he decided to become a fighter. Like how mental is he's just, just thought, there's, oh yeah. There's hope for you yet, mate. You just need yeah, to gonna, be six I'll go to, the, I'll go to pounds. <laughs> MMA Factory Paris and Fernand Lopez can turn me into a lightweight champion. There we yeah. go. Um, yeah. Maybe of drinking beer. I don't know. But then but, there's also obviously like Lewis is is an equally, you know, likable character. And like I say, it's just whenever Derek Lewis is fighting, you never know. You never know. And that's what makes it so special. So um yeah, it is what I'm super excited for. And um there's there's no card next week, is there? So we better we better get a good one here to uh to lead us into a UFC less weekend next weekend. God, what are we gonna do without it? I think there's there's PFL next weekend, isn't there? Next Friday or something. Yes, there is. Which is yes, the so we'll I think it's the Ray... playoffs to talk about. Yes, which is I cannot wait. Our boy Brennan Lofnan fighting one of Habib's teammates in the semis. We yeah, got it. It's coming home. Of, he's he's a heavy favorite, by the way. Um, Lofnan's a big underdog. Um, so was yes. Tyler Diamond. <laughs> <laughs> True. Um, but yeah, round up of my three bets on this card. I've got Cap to win by finish, Gun to win by finish, and Kiesa just to win straight up because I think he's gonna lay and lay and pray for fifteen minutes. Um, have you got anything you wanted to definitely chat about this week, mate? Or should we wrap up and, and look ahead to uh, to this card and then PFL next week? Oh, yeah, some news. I dropped some news today. Asked Overeem is in talks to fight Rico Verhoeven in glory kickboxing, which for anyone who doesn't know, is basically like going, okay, I want to go fight Francis Ngarni. Like Verhoeven is an absolute savage. Reem has been there, done it, worn the T-shirt, and he's also fought in glory before. I cannot wait for that fight. It should be. You know, I'm hearing it's October, November. Exactly. I, I, it's quite funny. I sent the. I actually sent the article over to Ben. The first thing I got was the Reem. <laughs> I fucking right. love the Reem. Who um, doesn't love the Reem? I miss, I I miss Uber Reem though. Oh yeah. Well, you might get it with Glory because I don't yeah, even do much true, drug testing. Um, uh, what else have I got? Oh yes, dropping a Jack Shaw interview on Friday. I think um, from the Insta Live, which went really, really well. Great to chat to Jack as always. Um, what else did I get up to? Ah, oh, yeah, drop my final piece of well, <laughs> again, the, the the last bit I could scrounge from the uh, Anderson Silver interview. Drop the, the fifth part talks about Sugar Ray Leonard and his love of boxing. Um, that's a good little piece. I think that's it from me, mate. I think there you go, mate. There's your plug. We gotta do this more often. Yeah. Have a have a weekly plugs of your exclusive <laughs> interviews section at the end of our podcast. Let's get some on. There we go. We can get Brendan <laughs> on next week. Pump the views up. <laughs>